Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me reluctantly again is my co-host, La Urena. Uh, we are investigating the history of zombies in this episode, um, kind of getting down to the main roots of the actual monster before the Romero zombie reinvented the whole damn thing. Um, what do you think about uh, the topic for today? Do these type of zombies scare you at all, Urena? Uh, the voodoo zombies? No, as a matter of fact, they intrigue me. And I'm going to have to say, okay, first, and I, this is a little behind the scenes. Everyone's just going to have to hear this. But are we really, we're releasing the Christmas zombies first, right? Uh, as far as I'm aware of, Yeah, because yes. we have to, because Christmas week is this week. <laughs> so, okay. So moving forward then, um, these zombies intrigue me. Um, and it's funny because I've actually heard probably at least three memorable podcasts about one of these movies in specific and, and you know, in general, uh, specifically though. And I, I knew exactly what it was about and I, yeah, um, not scared. Um, but I am going to say that based off of the two episodes we've done already, or it's going to be four technically, uh, zombie season is kicking off to a really good start for me. You're really luring me in. You know, like um, you hear about those people that have that first kid and it's like the perfect child. You're like, oh, this is great. I could do this again. And then they have that second kid and it's just the absolute devil. I feel like that's what I need to prepare myself for. This is like the calm before the storm. Um, when you say absolute devil, are you talking about now as far as the scare factor or the shit factor of the movie quality itself? Um, scare factor for me. Scare factor for sure. I'm not um, worried about shit factor. We're going to see shitty zombie movies. I'm not like I've seen <laughs> shitty zombie movies, but even some of the shitty ones get me good with the scares. Like we talked about Z Nation and those got me with scares. That's how stupid okay. I am when it comes to zombie films. Yeah, when we get into the Romero zombies, even like the even if the first movie, which I can see it not having that effect because of its age, the Tom Savini remake, you're going to already get in zombie hell with that one. Yeah. So it's going to be quick. Are you talking about Night of the Living Dead? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, This is a spoiler alert right now. The original Night of the Living Dead is the original zombie movie that scared me, and to this day it will be on, and that movie still fucking chills me to my bones i don't like it i mean i like it but i don't i don't like the way it makes me feel and you were talking about the black and white one again the black right? and white the, one okay cool uh it's actually pretty good for what it it's is good I mean, yeah and we're here we are spoiler alerting it but <laughs> all right the zombie as we know it today is a relatively new monster uh the lore and rules dating uh, uh back only 55 years as opposed to some of these others that go back centuries uh it is both the most uh Blue collar of movie monsters and also the most reviled by critics, perhaps owing to the abundance of poorly made films, as we have discussed, <laughs> featuring the creature. <laughs> we will be covering as much as possible, anyway, all the variants of this undead plague, beginning this episode with a Vodun zombie or voodoo zombie, as we bastardize it in the white Western culture. Uh, that was the first uh, written about in travelogues about Haiti. Wow. Uh, so lock your doors, keep the salt handy. And join us as we discuss the black and white classic White Zombie and the 1988 Wes Craven film, The Serpent and the Rainbow. If you're enjoying this podcast, we would appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. 
Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod. And we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. How about we uh, attack some bees while we're at it? We'll attack some bees. Zombies. You know you have to change it to attack of the zombies now, right? I do. Now that you said that, I'm going to have to say it. Uh, it's That's pretty good, actually. Um, this episode we're covering, which is not actually the worst zombie movies we'll ever see, but... Uh, a couple of classic ones, the ghost breakers from 1940 and King of the zombies from 1941. And, uh, how you do it. Uh, this, the first one, the ghost breakers, which does sound like it should be a zombie movie given its name, but it technically is, uh, has a tagline funny enough to make even a ghost laugh. Hey, it's, it's the forties people. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Uh, directed by George Marshall, written by Walter DeLeon, Paul Dickey, and Charles W. Goddard. Uh, music by Ernst uh, Totch. Uh, principal players, we have Bob Hope. You know, wow. some older folks might remember him. Uh, playing Larry Lar- Lawrence Lawrence uh, is his name. It's Larry L. Lawrence. He was named Larry three times. Um, who is the radio host slash cowardly lion of the movie. Um, he's kind of... It's kind of interesting because he's a radio host that reports on the mafia because he has inside sources and he thinks that's fine. But then like he's reporting on them at the beginning of the movie, the start of this movie. And he says some shit that one of the guys that he reports on doesn't like. And so he kind of, he kind of gets in a bad way with the people that he's, you know, that he reports on. That's kind of what happens when you walk the razor thin life. That is the mafia. If you're, you know, you might be buddy-buddy with them one minute, but it doesn't take much to piss them off and then put you on the hit list. Yeah, I was so. going to say, like, is he incognito? <laughs> Clearly he's not, but I thought for a minute he might be incognito because you can't be talking about them like that. They don't They don't like that. No, he brags about the fact that he's got, like, this relationship with them, and they're like, are you sure you want to report about this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, they're friends of mine. And then he says something that, they, that pisses one of them off. So... I, he's, he's, you know, kind of dumb in that sense. Yeah. Uh, Paulette Goddard plays Mary Carter, the inheritor of a haunted castle. And he's, she's the love interest in the movie. Uh, she's kind of a cutie for back in the forties day. I mean, she's kind of got that classic, you know, uh, female, you know, heroin look about her. Uh, Willie Best plays Alex, which is Larry's manservant, and that's where we start running into the racial issues that these movies have from back in that day. Uh, having a black manservant uh, for a white guy, it doesn't have the best look or sound, just yeah. saying. And then Noble Johnson plays the zombie in the movie, the one that you know makes it technically a zombie movie, and he's technically the first un- truly undead-looking uh voodoo zombie or voodoo zombie so uh they they did a pretty good job in this movie of actually making him look disfigured and like kind of spooky looking um he was a big tall guy too so it kind of made him more imposing whenever he was chasing after the main actors that's the only part in the movie that's actually considered a horror part of the movie is that he's you know chasing after her for this extended sequence and it's just the two of them and it's got a little bit of horror to it. The rest of it's just Bob Hope and Willie Best kind of, you know, being chicken shits and saying, you know, shit about like, 
you know, it's like you go and it's like, no, you go first. You know, <laughs> they might get you first, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, King of the Zombies uh, has a tagline of human sacrifices, uh, savage torture, and voodoo rites. And that it's is descriptive. So and it straightforward. Based, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it describes the movie to a, this, a certain extent. Directed by Gene Yarborough, written by Edmund Kelso, music by Edward J.K. Principal players is Dick Purcell playing James McCarthy, who's the pilot in the movie. Uh, John Archer plays Bill Summers, who's the bland white everyman, who's just kind of there. You know, he's supposed to be the hero of the piece. Mantan Moreland plays Jefferson Jeff Jackson, who is the titular king of the zombies. Uh, and Bill's valet, again, it's another, you know, black man serving a white, white man type situation in the movie. Uh, Mantan Moreland, though, he's pretty fucking funny uh, for what he does in the movie. Now, he would be called some names nowadays by especially people in the black community because he, you know, definitely playing that cowardly black man that's always, you know, like, yes, sir, yes, sir yeah. type situation. But he's 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 got some funny lines in the movie. I got to give him that. He had some good comedic timing. And they one th- reason they hired him, I think, is because out of all the actors that I've ever seen, like he can open his eyes up and actually, I mean, has, it's almost like his eyes are popping out of his fucking head. <laughs> so whenever he's supposed to be scared, like he really, you know, can play that off. Uh, we have Joan Woodbury playing the Barbara Winslow, who's a hypnotist and Hick, Henry Victor, who was in the movie freaks. Um, the, the old timey movie about the carnival folks, uh, is playing Dr. Miklos Sangre, who is a Nazi scientist. So this movie actually has the whole Nazi zombie oh, combination shit. going on a little bit. Way using, before Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a Nazi scientist trying to, uh, using hypnotism and using like voodoo rites to try to, you know, get this undead army to kind of help out the, uh, and actually establish control of the Caribbean so that they could, you know, take over or have a landing point to fight the U.S. from. Is kind of what it where it's based on. Um, the the both movies, I would say it this way: Ghostbreakers is clearly the better made movie. It had the bigger budget. It was made by like I want to. It was one of the big companies. Is Paramount, Universal, one of those? Uh, it it's more. It's almost exactly a comedy slash mafia drama. If it's anything, the zombies in the haunted castle don't even come into it till like the last twenty minutes or thirty minutes of the movie. Uh, King of the Zombies is way more campy, low budget, uh, but it's actually, they land on a, you know, an island of the Caribbean and it right from the get go, it's, you know, uh, they're, they're dealing with zombies and all kinds of stuff. So I'm kind of mixed on these. One's a better made movie and has better jokes, but I mean, King of the Zombies, I, I like it for the camp and it's actually, you know, and the whole thing about the the Nazi scientist is interesting considering how early it was, you know, for doing that. Yeah. Um, as far as the Nick Cage rating for these, I'm going to give it the uh, werewolf women of the SS <laughs> from the ground from Grindhouse because uh, Nick Cage plays Fu Manchu in that, so he's a white man appropriating a Asian character, and that kind of racism is exactly what's kind of going on in these movies. So there you go. It's uh, and the campiness of it at least. So. <laughs> it's bad enough that we're doing a zombie season. I am not going to be participating in that. Uh, I mean, we've got to we got to acknowledge it. I mean, it, there's clearly some you know 
bad takes going on in these movies from the 40s like these oh, i mean yeah. it's from a different time you know it's that's just what it is oh my goodness um doesn't make the movie better either i mean it's it's kind of actually cringe at times whenever you're watching it and you're just like ah, this doesn't <laughs> this this doesn't play well now not at all yeah um, they weren't thinking but, about that back then though so you know well, it wasn't that big of a deal back then. Uh, well, it was starting to be, but they didn't care until a few years later. So, um, Moving on, we're going to go to our first movie of the evening, uh, White Zombie from 1932. Tagline, with these zombie eyes, he rendered her powerless. With this zombie grip, he made her perform his every desire. That is nasty. I picked that because yes, uh, they really laid into the the sexual stuff in this one. As far as like what uh, Bella Lugosi's character has intended for his white zombie in the movie. Holy shit! <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's. I'll get to it a little bit later. There's a line that he says, and he clearly indicates what he has planned for her, and it's he he he's sick fuck. That's all I can say. <laughs> Uh, directed by Victor Halperin, written by Garnet Weston, uh, who did the screenplay, but based upon the novel by William B. Seabrook. Um, Garnet Weston was a pulp uh, comic writer. Uh, he wrote stuff that you would probably kind of find in like uh, Tales of Wonder and like EC Comics and shit like that. He he wrote the screenplay for this, so oh, that's kind of that's kind of why it's got a little bit of that you know larger than life vibe about it. I think uh, music by Guy Bevier. Made for a budget of fifty thousand. Now get this: it made eight million dollars back then. That's insane. What is that in today's times? I don't know if that's adjusted for inflation or not. Uh, but if it's not adjusted for inflation, you're talking several hundred million dollars at least. I mean, at least is what that amounts to. Even if not, it was only made for fifty thousand. It made eight million. So that that's a damn good return by anybody's metric, you know. Hold on, I'm looking right now. <clears throat> uh, what year was it made? 1930 what? 1932 is when it came out. Okay. Let's see if I can get. This. I want to say it came out one year after Dracula, of all things. I mean, if we're being honest, it looks like a Dracula film. Uh, there's a lot of Dracula stuff in this. I mean, the way that he hypnotizes people with his eyes, uh, the way he carries himself. I mean, there's there's a lot of that. And I think that's the reason they got Bela Lugosi. Um, a little bit of trivia about that, though. Bela Lugosi was a notoriously bad businessman. Uh, he was, a, by all accounts, a pretty, good, a pretty decent actor for the time. But he just, he never knew how to negotiate his contracts. And I guess he didn't really trust anybody to do that for him, or they might not have had the option back then. He got the equivalent of like I want to say eight hundred dollars or something like that to like I mean, well, it might have been more than that, but it was it was like it just in the thousands to play both Dracula and this character. And then whenever he saw and he turned down the op the option to do to get back in uh, profits off of it. Uh, and then when he saw how much profit the movie made, whenever it was out. Then he fucking got pissed, you know, but it's like, dude, you had the option of taking the back end profits. Why didn't you do it? You yeah. Know? Okay. So <laughs> I'm just going to wiki wiki break it down. Simple. 8 million in 1913, 1913 is worth 245 million in today's times. 
Yeah. So I mean, that's I mean, if it's that's not adjusted, if if it's not, I didn't yeah. look into it, but. Uh, but, and Bela Lugosi, I mean, cause we'll get back to him at some other point when we cover the, you know, vampire season. What? Uh, him and a vampire? I can't even see it. Yeah. It's not a thing. Um, it's not like all the vampires in history are based upon his particular accent either. Mm-mm. Um, the thing about him is, is that he died pretty much penniless, uh, oh, wow. doing movies doing movies for fucking uh, Ed Wood. I mean, there's, if you've watched that, you know, Johnny Depp, you know, uh, Tim Burton movie, Ed yeah. Wood, they have Bill Lugosi in there and he's, you know, a very broken man uh, just working. I mean, he's, he, he barely can afford his house and that's the reason he agrees to do plan nine from outer space. So fuck, uh, dude, that's sad. I never watched Ed Wood. Shocker. It's pretty good because it's like a, a it, it's almost like a documentary about filmmaking back in the day. Yeah. And I mean, between him and, and Vampira being in the movie, it's it's pretty good insight into them as people, like behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I'm pretty sure he was on drugs at the time too. Uh, Lugosi was in the movie because he just, you know, throughout, you know, just got to that point where I mean, he was just destitute, and that was kind of where he was at, but. God damn, Vampire uh, is so hot. Uh, so principal players, as we mentioned, Bella Lugosi playing, get this, that his name in the movie is Murder Legendre. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I liked that. I'm not going to lie. That's a pretty fucking badass name. I mean, yeah. if we're going to, you know, uh, who's the zombie master? Uh, of course, he was in Dracula from 1931. A lot of people don't realize he's also in the Wolfman. He plays uh, one of the gypsies that, you know, uh, is in the camp or whatever. Uh, Island of Lost Souls, uh, The Black Cat, Glenn or Glenda, which is another movie that Ed Wood did. Uh, The Raven, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And then, of course, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman where he actually played Frankenstein. Him and, and... he had an ongoing rivalry with Boris Karloff. I don't know why the two of them meet each other. Like, they hated each other. And I don't know if it was directly hate, but they they really competed for the same roles for a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Madge Bellamy plays Madeline Short Parker, who is the titular white zombie of the movie. Uh, and this is a little bit of an interesting thing about Madge uh, Bellamy. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember. Pistol Packing Madge is what they called her. Uh, and the reason they called her that was because later in life, she shot at her man uh, because he broke off the relationship and she caught him with somebody else. And so she shot him three times and wounded him. Uh, but when they took her to court, she said, listen, I'm a crack shot and I only wanted to scare him. So if he'd been, if I wanted him dead, he would have been dead. That was her defense. Fuck yeah. She's my this hero. little, this little woman. <laughs> <laughs> what do so, you mean this little woman? We don't, I mean, like, when, if we're going to fight, she's right. We're going to fight to kill because <laughs> one strike the wrong way, one punch, and we're going down. So he either be, either be, better be asleep. She's going to have to poison him. She's going to have to shoot him. The, the, you, this little woman needed to do what she had to do, and I'm, I'm, I support her. She followed him. After they broke up, just to shoot at him. So Fuck I don't yeah. know how much she needed to do that. Hell but yeah! Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought you would like that story about her. Maybe next time uh, he'll think before he cheats. <laughs> that actually sounds like a country song. <laughs> if you know, she might have saved a little trouble for the next girl. <laughs> 
the funny thing about Madge, other than that, is that she was actually a silent film uh, star uh, way before she did this movie. This was actually her first talkie that she ever did. Uh, and she was in movies like Lorna Doon, Lazy Bones, Black Paradise, and Iron Horse. And the reason I say that's funny is because when they went to movies that actually had speech, she ended up having this little squeaky mouse voice oh, that yeah. you could kind of hear in the movie. And it wasn't good for a film that required speech, you know? Yeah. <laughs> as well as things where she was pretty, but then when she yeah, talked, it's she's like, gorgeous. oh, okay. Uh, you know, voice acting, it is a thing. I've not taken it, but I do know that I can change the pitch and the tone of my voice. Everybody can, you know? Yeah, there's a, there's actually some actress. Uh, well, one of them I'm thinking of is the the is one of the ones off Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Now, if you ever hear her talk as uh, Rosa on the show, like she's got this deep, like kind of almost sexy voice when she's speaking as Rosa. When you hear her talk in real life, she's got a squeaky mouse voice oh just like God. Madge would have. And it's hilarious because it's like, wait, she does that voice as Rosa, and, and that's what she sounds like? It's really weird. But, that's, uh, that's fucking wild. Um. Uh, also in this movie is John Heron playing Neil Parker, who's the husband of Madeline and the nervous hero who's basically fainting at every moment and opportunity he can bitch. throughout the film. <laughs> He's having anxiety attacks, okay? Let, you know, let it let him live. Oh, blow me. <laughs> uh, he was in Dulce, Penrod, and The Street Girl. Like, you're not going to know the names of these movies. No. A lot of them are older and dirt. Definitely um, not me. I don't know about y'all. Uh, Robert Fraser plays Charles Beaumont, who's the rich American expatriate who uh, has the hots for Madeline and decides to go about getting her in a very sick and twisted way. Um, he played in The Vampire Bat, The Scarlet Bat? West, <laughs> and uh, Back to God's Country. Uh, Joseph Cawthorn, Cawthorn played Dr. Bruner, who's the missionary, and he just likes a good smoke because that's all he ever, that's I mean, all, that's how he is. yeah. All he ever does in the movie, he's like, I don't even light, think he eats. You know? He might drink, but smoking is what he's doing. That's what he prefers, and maybe he's smoking some of the good stuff from down there. We don't know. It's possible. Uh, he was in Love Me Tonight, Street Girl, and The Taming of the Shrew. Okay, so that's um, the second person in Street Girl. Yeah, yep. I was hoping you'd catch that. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Hurst plays uh, Silver, who is uh, Beaumont's butler. He was in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, the Man Who Laughs, which The Man Who Laughs is the movie that actually inspired the Joker because the villain Ooh. of that is, is actually, if you look at him and the Joker, the, it's, the Joker was clearly based on the, the bad guy in that movie. Okay. And uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, my God. 100% Joker. But I am going to tell you what. He is creepy as fuck. He is creepy as fuck. Holy shit. But yeah, he's absolutely the Joker. Yeah, whenever they made that comic, uh, I mean, which came out shortly after that, it was clearly based upon uh, that character. Uh, I want to say it's like, he's got a weird name like Gwen something or whatever. But um, anyways, Annette Stone plays the maid or one of them. And then Velma Grish Gresham plays the tall maid. And um, okay. Clarence and then Claire, well, I bring them up because uh, it's kind of funny when they're trying to comb uh, Madeline's uh, or hair, and they're clearly disgusted by it because it's a dead woman's hair, and they're they're like, "Should I even touch this fucking thing?" You know. <laughs> uh, and then the other one's like, basically, like, "Well, if you don't want to become like her, then yeah, you better get to combing her hair, you stupid bitch." You know, that's basically what it about to. Stupid whore. Uh, and then Clarence Muse plays the coach driver who doesn't care for zombies and he gets the fuck out of there rightfully so whenever he sees them. So Yeah. GTFO. 
Nobody yeah, knows I'm that. Lo- Nobody does that in zombie films. <laughs> I, I mean, he's the smartest guy in the movie. It's like when he sees him, he's like zombies, and he gets the fuck out of there. Yeah. You know? Bitch, bye. Uh, synopsis. Mm. A young American couple travels to a Haitian plantation to get married. The rich American expat that owns the plantation harbors an unrequited love for the bride-to-be and hatches a plan with a local zombie master to make her his own. The beautiful bride seemingly dies on the day of her wedding, and her body is later reanimated to be an obedient sex toy. But who ultimately pulls her strings, and can she be saved? Zombies toil for their master, murder Legendre is a bastard, and Beaumont gets a taste of his own medicine. She was not dead, but she was also not alive. Death becomes her. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so a little bit of history before we get into this. Nice. Talking about the you know voodoo and all that stuff. Uh, and I'm going to say voodoo. I'm going to default to it because that's what I've been raised up to say. It's, it's actually considered, from my understanding, to be... Uh, uh, they hate that term. Uh, the people from down there, it's, it's voodoo, and that's what they prefer it to be called. It's, but I'm going to stick with what I was taught. So, you know, hate me if you have to. But uh, it's a mixture, the religion is a mixture of Catholicism and West African religion. Uh, one of the big components of it is they believe in two parts of the soul. Uh, so they believe in the gross, and I'm going to grossly, you know, mispronounce these, but gross bonage which is the big good angel, and that's just your life force. That's what makes your body move. And then there's the T-bonage, which is the little good angel, and that's the part of your soul that actually gives you your personality. So the reason that's a big important factor of their religion is that when they have ceremonies to be possessed by spirits and allow the spirits to talk through them, Technically, your teen bonage, your 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 little angel, your personality leaves, and you're you know, and you're just left with an animated body that the spirit can take over. The reason that's a big thing is because that's how they actually make a zombie. Is because you lose your personality, and it's just the animating force of your spirit that keeps you walking around, which is kind of a hellish thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, Haiti was a French colony in the Caribbean that imported West African slaves to use for sugar exportation. Um, it was the early 1800s. They had a massive slave revolt, took power from the French, and forcibly freed the population. Uh, other colonial powers sanctioned the island and cut it off from trade, uh, which led to it being, you know, very poor and, you know, and, and really set it in the years of poverty after that. Uh, but they were, I mean... There was a lot of other colonies that had, you know, still had slaves at that time, so they were afraid of the influence it would have on their nations if they, you know, accepted it as a country. Uh, it is what it is, folks. It's history. I can't yeah. change it. So leadership of the island was also fractious and unstable, so they just, it was constantly revolution after revolution, you know. Uh, in 1915, uh, U.S. Uh, sent Marines in the area to, to in theory, secure the island and keep Germany from setting up a base there. So even in World Quotation War I, they were... <laughs> I'm super sus about that. I, I don't believe it either, and we're also talking about Woodrow Wilson, and he was one of the worst fucking people that we've ever had as a president. He got us into World War One for fucking bullshit reasons. Uh, that's a whole political rant. But anyways, hmm. he probably lied about this newer. <laughs> He probably lied about the reason that they were going down there. Let's be honest. I mean, but in theory, quotation marks, they sent them down there because it's like, oh, Germany will set up a base there and they'll be right in our back door. So we've got to secure it. We don't let (laughs) no one up our back doors, not here in America. 
no, we don't believe in that sort of thing. Uh, it's funny you say that because that actually plays into Serpent and the Rainbow's history when we get to that about the backdoor stuff, but, <laughs> you know, a different, a different way. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. Um, so, but the problem is when they sent the Marines down there, they were supposed to just sit off the island and just kind of watch it. But when the islands went there or the Marines went there and they saw the island and they saw like one of like the current leaders being drugged down the street in a, in a current revolt, uh, they just moved on to the island and said, fuck this. We're going to take it. We're going to give this place uh, a little bit of boot in the ass. Cause that's the American way as Toby Keith would say. Yeah. And, uh, that started years of uh, U.S. occupation on the island, which was not appreciated by the islanders, as you would imagine. But I don't happened. blame them, but, <laughs> I mean, also colonization, man. Some people needed it. <laughs> and, and the, the U.S. was going to bring it to you regardless. Now, I, I know mean, we talked about backdoor, and I want to reiterate, I said colonization, not colonization. So don't put words in my mouth and don't go up my back door. Um, well, you're going to get some backdoor action when it comes to Serpent and the Rainbow. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so that's, that's the first setup for all this. And wait, wait, so, wait, wait. I, before we, we move on from the difference between, uh, v- 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 how do you pronounce the first one? Not voodoo. Voodoo. V- voodoo. Why is there an N in yeah. there? Uh, well, they do it, pronounce it different ways. It's voodoo okay. or vo- okay. voodoo. What so. about hoodoo? That is- it is so hoodoo is basically you take voodoo and then you move it to the to the south to in particular uh, Louisiana. Okay, and you and you change it uh, enough with not just the Catholicism, but I think you sprinkle in a little bit of Protestant, you know, uh, okay. stuff in there, and it changes slightly, and you get hoodoo. From- okay, because I wanted to, I want, I wanted more iterate reiteration on that. Because I'm sorry, but Louisiana, I always associate with voodoo. I didn't know that hoodoo is what. Okay, it's just too much. They they got a little bit of mix of both uh, okay. later on, but it primarily their hoodoo is what they practiced. There, okay, or at least they did for the longest time. Um, so the English word of zombie, they don't, there's, it's not really known where the origins came from, but it's thought to be from one of several root words. There's ombre from the, in French, which means shadows. There's jumbi in West Indian. That means ghost. Okay. There's, there's zumbi in African banda. And then there's Nazambi, or just, well, I guess it's zombie because they they leave off the N sound. So Z- Zambi and Congo, and they both mean dead spirit. So you're getting the the gist of this. It's basically a it it's more a ghost than it is yeah. anything else. I don't know why it came to mean what it does. And then uh, there's finally Zemus, which is the soul of a dead person, which was in Haitian Arawak, which were the the Indians that or the Native Americans that lived there, uh, or natives that lived there, I should say, prior to the. Uh, you know, slave population yeah. being ported in. So, uh, so it's a mix of any of those, but that's where we get the word. It was officially documented in the Oxford English Dictionary in 1819, but didn't become popular until 1889. In the year that a journalist named uh, Lafcadio Hearn, writing for Harper's Magazine, visited the island of Martinique for a Caribbean travelogue. And that's important because when he was down there, he heard a bunch of stories about what were called zombies. He went around and asked the locals what they were, and they basically gave him the runaround. They basically they told him everything but what a zombie actually was just to get him to fuck off. You know? <laughs> I like it. Uh, they told him it was a three-legged horse that would pass you at night. <laughs> yes. 
uh, it was a fire that moved closer or moved as you get closer to it at night. All these things happened tonight because it was it was the bringer of chaos in the night's what they said it was. Okay. And the, and then they said it was a dog that stood five feet high and entered your house in the in the nighttime, which is a frightening thing to think about. And it sounds like Skinwalker more than it does. Yeah. Else. It wasn't until the Magic Island, written by William Seabrook, going back to you know what white zombies based on in 1929 when we actually get what the zombie is. Uh, it was a collection of stories that the American explorer brought back from Haiti during the height of the U.S.'s control of the island. And uh, Seabrook was a fucking odd person. He was good friends with Aleister Crowley, if <laughs> you know who that is. No, uh, never leader, heard of them. Yeah, the leader of the Satanic Church. He was purported to carry whips and chains in his travel case because he was heavily into BDSM sex. I wonder, uh, I bet you he was heavily into getting beat, though, you know? No, he wasn't because here's the story that came out about oh, shit. him. He had a photographer friend that visited him one time and he told his friend before he, because he, he, he was out at the time and he told his, his photographer friend, he's like, when you go in there, there's going to be a girl tied to, to the, to the staircase, leave her there. Don't let her free, you know, until I get back. And what when he went fuck? in there, there actually was, there was actually a young woman with a soiled loincloth on. That's all she was wearing. That was tied to the staircase handcuffed there to be to be you know so he was into that shit he he liked it um and that that'd be not funny but what if that were like an actual victim like what if she were actually kidnapped he's like man they're into some kinky shit and she's just like help me you know <laughs> well this guy you never know because this is another story about him when he was studying this is after the haitian stuff he went to africa he wanted to study cannibals there and he wanted to to actually sample human flesh while he was there, but he didn't get a chance. So when he went back to Paris, which is where he stationed himself most of the time, because he was one of those bohemian Americans that liked to lounge around in Paris, France, just, you know, fucking around. He actually went to a morgue and asked them if they could shave off a pound of flesh from one of the dead bodies so that he could eat it. And he did get it, and he cooked it up, and he said that it tasted like bland pork with no seasoning on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no that's why i don't like pork uh he was the stereotypical white explorer in the 20s like there's a picture of him when he was in haiti and he's got everything but the the helmet that they used to wear back in the day he's got khaki uh he's got riding pants on you know the ones that flare out at your hips yeah he's got a khaki shirt and he's got this big mustache or whatever that he's like you know and he's got this look in his face like fuck around and find out it's basically what he looks like in the picture he's hilarious Jesus. Um, so when Seabrook was on the island, he met with a Haitian farmer named Polynice, who was told that the, and he was told that the zombie workers uh, were actually on a farm nearby. Uh, uh, Polynice told Seabrook about a zombie master named Ty Joseph, uh, who used zombies to collect bonuses from the Haitian American Sugar Company uh, back, you know, a few years before that. Uh, and the story was that he told him was that Ty only fed his zombies a special unsalted stew because the, the, the rumor is if you get zombie salt, they revert back to their, you know, the form that, that they get their little angel back and they'll revolt on you. So you don't ever feed them salt. Uh, Ty uh, was getting all of the bumper crop of these bonuses because his zombies work day and night while everybody else actually had to take breaks. But it just so happened that this, harvest was going on during carnival season so he fucked off and went to port-au-prince and left his wife croyance to watch after the zombies well she was pissed off that he left her so she 
hauled ass to the local town with the zombies in tow to celebrate. And while she was there, she felt bad for them. So she bought him some local candy, but it was laced with salt. Ah. So the zombies ate the salt or the salted candy, started shuffling back to their hilltop homes, walked past their loved ones who were like, what the fuck is this? You know, uh, watched them crawl back into their graves, supposedly. And then those families found out where Ty Joseph was at, hired assassins to kill him, and the, he and his head was cut off. Hell yeah. <laughs> I like the story. Uh, so after telling him the story, of course, Seabrook was like, fuck yeah, I've got to see some zombies. Where are they at? And he took them to actually see them in this nearby field. And Seabrook was supposedly horrified when he looked in their eyes. He said that they clearly were like missing the spark of like any kind of, you know, life about them. Uh, but he came to the conclusion even then that they weren't really dead. He said that they were under the sway of some kind of toxin that was causing them to sleepwalk. Okay. Is what he said. And that's the he thing, had- though. But they took themselves to their graves, <laughs> so they mentally they believed they were dead, which is what I hear about these voodoo zombies. They and that's the thing. That's what happens. They believe that either it's a combination of their it's so ingrained in the religion, or it's just because they're you know they they're they don't they 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 buy into it so much that they they truly believe they're dead even when they're not because yeah. you know that that's what they've been told. Uh, <clears throat> this was interesting. So the ways that they prevented zombies in Haiti uh, from forming was they either buried their dead under heavy masonry so that nobody could get to the bodies. Okay. Uh, they hired guards to watch the body for 24 hours after the burial if they were rich enough to do that. Uh, they buried bodies in busy roads so they were watched, which is what we see in White Zombie, the movie, because they're actually burying somebody up next to a busy roadside, and that's what the coach driver you know, tells them. He's like, you know, that way they're being watched by just regular people. And this is an interesting one. You put a bullet in the head of the body or poison it so that it cannot be raised. That putting a bullet in the head is interesting because that's funny that it works in the Romero zombies later yeah. on. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, because they say that uh, there's been explanations. I don't know if it was Resident Evil or whatnot, but you put a bullet through the brain, it severs the spinal cord or something like that or something, and like it really just disables them. Yeah, I just, I think it's really cool that, like, even that part of the voodoo zombies, like, works its way into the, uh, you know, the the lore later on whenever it gets completely changed up. Yeah, the poison doesn't make sense, though, (laughs) unless you think it's not a zombie and you just want to make sure that that person is dead, dead. And but I think they kind of had an idea that's what was going on, you know, without it, without implying that it was, you know. Um, some other taglines for the movie is they knew his friend was practice, practicing zombieism, the natives, but when he tried it on a white girl, the nation revolted. <laughs> that sounds like a news article from today. Well, it, it was fine it, until they did it to the white woman. It actually does sound like something that would happen today. Uh, an astounding story to hold you spellbound. The strangest love tale in 2,000 years told on the borderland of life and death. Ugh. The zombies stole a white girl and the Furies broke loose, but you'll never, you, but you'll know it never could happen. <laughs> I, I love how this, it seems like it could happen. Like this is a title that could be now, you know. They stole a white girl. You better watch it. Yeah, know? it was fi- like it was fine when he stole all the black girls, but then he stole one white girl, and it was over for them hoes. 
Everyone's <laughs> Start- looking for her. No one's looking for Banquiqui. Uh, starts where all other thrillers leave off, which I, whatever, that's okay. the most generic thing ever. The yeah. Dead Walk Among Us. That's actually a pretty good one. That sounds like it could have been a Romero. I like that one. Line. Yeah. Uh, Stranger Things Are Happening Than You Ever Dreamed Of. Stranger Things. Okay. This is the real thing. Unbelievable, shocking, true thriller. Okay. <laughs> Foul traffic and dead bodies. And see them dug from the grave and put to work as slaves to murder. Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy with the, the S word over there, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's whew, that's a little much. Uh, some quotes from the movie. Uh, Madeline, driver, who were those men we saw? And then the coach driver, those are not men, madame. They're dead bodies. They're cadavers. <laughs> They're cadavers, as, we, as we've learned in Cadaver Christmas. Uh, Charles Beaumont, I thought that beauty alone would satisfy, but the soul is gone. I cannot bear those empty staring eyes. Well, bitch, you should have learned how to make her yours through the proper way of courting. Yes, the proper channels. Yeah. Neil Parker, (laughs) Neil Parker, who are you? Looks around at the zombies. And and what are they, Legendre? For you, my friend, they are angels of death. (laughs) Also, Uh, they're cadavers. (laughs) They are cadavers, yes. Neil Parker, not dead or you mad as or die. The doctor signed the certificate. I saw them bury her. And then Dr. Bruner, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not mad, but I've lived in this island for many good years, and I've seen things with my eyes that made me think I was crazy. There's superstition in Haiti that the natives brought here from Africa. Some can be traced back as far as ancient Egypt and beyond that yet in countries that was old when Egypt was young. I like that little bit of the story because it's almost like it, it's trying to say that zombies like date back to even Egypt or whatever, which is an interesting tie-in with like mummies and all that stuff. It is so. because they they thoroughly believed in the afterlife so much. It's like, okay, well, we're going to bury your fucking wife with you, whether she's alive or not. You and know, your horse and yeah. your dog. And, your favorite you know, pet, everything. some food, some gold. like. <laughs> Uh, Charles Beaumont, forgive me, Madeline, forgive me. I can't bear it any longer. I must take you back. And then Legendre, back to the grave, Monsieur. And then, like, uh, Charles Beaumont, no, you must put the life back into her eyes and bring laughter to her lips. She must be gay and happy again. <laughs> and and Legendre, you paint a charming picture, Monsieur, one that I should like to see myself, you know. That's whenever you get the idea he's got some, uh, he's, he's got, got some his own, plans. you know, motives. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, talking about the movie, I I actually dig the the whole like the the setting that they've like got in this movie, like the big gothic like castle that they set okay. it in and all that stuff. Yes, I agree with that. It was uh, it looked good. Everything looked good at, from the underground. Um, I guess it's a mausoleum. Yeah, yeah. The mausoleum looked good. The the cliffside of the castle, if you will. All that shit yeah, looked that- impressive. Yeah, I mean, you can even tell they're kind of drop cloth like backgrounds, but the way that they design them, the artistry that went in them, they still look pretty damn fucking good. I yeah. mean, like even today. Visually, I, nothing I, was upsetting in this movie, honestly. Uh, no, I mean, the zombies are, you know, there's not a whole lot to them, but like that one in particular has got the big bug eyes that keeps like walking toward the, I mean, he, he, he looks pretty freaky, you know? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, also, the I don't know how you watched this. I kind of kind of forgot how I watched this. I know I watched it. Don't get mad at me on my phone. Um, slow day at work, folks, okay? But um, the clarity 
of this film. I watched a little bit at my house too. I kind of rewatched some, you know, scenes here and there. But the clarity of this film was shocking to me on how I was able to watch it. So, yeah, I, I watched it off of Tubi, and they've got two different ones, and one of them is like really well. Like, I mean, like okay, they, they went back and like patched it up, made it look really well. Okay, so. that makes sense because I'm like. Fuck, like, I have not seen, I don't know that I've seen a movie this old yet. Have I? What have you had me watch? Not, 1931. I don't think we've watched one that mm -hmm. old yet. So I I was like, wow, I've seen movies that are newer than this, not by much, that look like shit compared to how this one visually is, is showing. Uh, I like what... Uh uh Lugosi looks like in this i mean he's yeah. skeezy as fuck in this one that little shitty mustache he's got going on and the unibrow and everything i mean he he skeezed up in this one pretty well i mean a uh, total departure from the slick you know dracula that he played like you know just a year before this okay because i really thought he looked like dracula and i well he i mean if you go back and you watch dracula dracula's like you know got the slick back hair like he's you know uh, well-groomed and everything. Legendre, like, looks, you know, he looks like he's just been lounging around with a bunch of fucking zombies. Um, yeah, definitely. I will say this. That one scene is kind of, is, is almost kind of creepy in a weird roundabout way. The uh, the scene in the, uh, where they're working in the mill and, like, one of them falls inside of the mill and they just grind it up with the rest of the stuff because yeah. they don't know any better. Yeah. Like, the sound going on oh, in it, the yeah. way they're just, like, going about it. It's it's kind of a creepy scene because there's no music to it at all. Oh, yeah. You know? That was um, the music. <laughs> it was a bone-thumping good time. <laughs> uh, uh, interesting thing about this movie was that um, the zombie thing took off uh, well, of course, like these zombies represent like, obviously, I mean, you know, we always talk about there's a there's kind of a social point about them. Uh, voodoo zombies clearly represent like the fear of like losing oneself to like slavery and, you yeah. know, uh, oppressive control. It's interesting. The reason this movie took off so well is because it came out right around the time that the uh, Great Depression hit the U.S. so hard. And the U.S. watchers saw a totally different scene, in particular that scene we was talking about in the mill where they're grinding themselves to death. Like, U.S. workers were, like, working themselves to death for, like, scraps. So yeah. it was almost like they were seeing themselves as the zombies because of the, you know, the, the bad economics and stuff, which we're not far from right now, folks, because we have a shitty president. That's a other thing. So <laughs> It's also one of those things where... In both of the films that we're reviewing, these I don't I don't remember this one so much because the other movie's fresh in my head. But these voodoo zombies allegedly, like mentally, know what's going on, but have no control. So they could see everything. They just can't respond the way that they would want to if they had control, autonomy, if you will. Yeah, you get a look, well, I mean, in this one, they play it more like they're dead because yeah. the one the one gets shot several times at the end of it, and because he doesn't get shot in the head, he still keeps coming after Neil, which, yeah. you know, uh, makes makes him, like, more, and he doesn't bleed, so he's, like, dead, okay. dead. But, but uh, Madeline's different. She's like you're talking about. Like, she recognizes, which makes it even worse, that she's being used sexually by Beaumont and maybe even uh, Legendre both because they, you know, she she wakes up like I mean yeah. they bring her back. Um, well, she wasn't officially killed. She was kind of, and that's the other thing that is interesting. That's interesting about this movie is that she was given a poison to make her appear dead. Which yeah, 
is weird. They didn't know that's how they actually made zombies. They, but they figured it, but it's in this movie, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say that, um, Madeline, she was the Mina of this Dracula movie. She was, yes. Mm-hmm, 100%. Uh, it it totally, this, this movie, when I was watching, I'm like, this reminds me of Dracula so much. Now, I know it's not identical, but come on. The similarities are so fucking uncanny. Uh, there is. And then you have like, and then, uh, well, even Neil is like uh, Jonathan Harker. Yes, he's Harker. Harker, like when he loses all that blood to the brides or whatever, and then like he's trying to get back to uh, England, he's very weak, and it's just like Neil and this, like he even passes out when he gets into the castle, <sighs> and uh, you know, Legendre even like tries it, which is interesting. He uses Madeline to uh, try to, you know, he he doesn't want to do it himself. He uses Madeline to stab Neil, which is like yeah. that 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 speaks a lot about him as a character that he does it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, and then Beaumont, at, you know, has that moment of like, oh shit, I fucked up, but it's too late. Cause I love that scene where he samples the drink and then he realizes he's like, what the fuck? And he's like, how do you feel? You know, uh, Mr. Beaumont or Monsieur. And it like, and it's like, oh shit, he, he poisoned him. And like, he's got that whole scene where he's like, I've never actually spoken to someone who still has a little bit of their mind about <gasps> them, you know, dirty, <laughs> It's 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 pretty good. I, I like that. I mean, there's obviously you know Rob Zombie named his band after this movie. I mean, it's it, it's you know White Zombie is because of this. Um, so he he clearly has an, an affection for the movie too, uh, to a certain extent. Um, uh, the acting in the movie is, I mean, it's campy, it's out there, but like uh, most of these movies from back in the day were like that because yeah. they went from stage plays to movies and and stage to make the audience in the back of the theater be able to see you and, and understand that you have to play everything more than you would normally in front of a camera. You have to, your your movements have to be exaggerated. You have to speak, you know, louder. And, I, the, and the very first movies kind of copied that before they figured out. It's like, wait, we've got the camera in their fucking face. We don't have to do that anymore, you know? Well, yeah, and this, this movie 100% was like definite top-notch acting for that time. Look at how much money it grossed. Yeah, it was pretty fucking good. I mean, it, it did damn good for the time. It's surprising that they didn't. It took them like eight years to come up with a sequel, and the sequel had nothing to do with this movie. It was called Revolt of the Zombies, and the only thing that it did that was interesting was that it was set in Cambodia, and it used the idea of like a zombie army being raised yeah. up by a, a master, a zombie master, and it... And it almost like the the idea of zombie hordes marching toward you kind of maybe led into the Romero zombie like later yeah. on. It kind of predated that a little bit. But that's the only thing interesting about the sequel they made to this. But it was actually the rundown studios that made King of the Zombies that actually took this and was like, hey, that made a lot of money. Let's let's do that shit, you know, because we yeah. don't have to put a lot of effort into it. Times repeat themselves, folks. <laughs> it's like every time you have a, a big, you know, triple A title you that makes a lot of money, then you have all the, you know, Johnny come lately's come in there. It's like, hey, we can do this too for dirt cheap. Let's let's try this and see how much money we can get. Yeah. <laughs> um 
there there wasn't the interesting thing about this movie is there's not really a whole lot of music in the movie it's there's a lot of silence in the movie which is kind of creepy you know really yeah i mean they've got those you know little orchestra orchestrated bits here and there a little bit and then they have the voodoo chanting at times yeah i mean there's there's a lot of silence that plays pretty well in this movie well silent films used to be a thing but then again i guess silent films had a lot of music in the background to kind of set the tone or whatnot, but you know yeah. they, they were all they were all music. If you watch a silent film, it's yeah. like you, you they never end the music, which is kind of a shitty thing too, because you're like, oh come on now, I'm getting this is wearing me down a little bit, guys. You yeah. know, because they didn't they didn't have any other you know way to convey the the sound of it all. I so. feel like especially for the one actress who played Madeline, they they're, they were kind of trans transforming into a new era of films, and it's like, folks, we're speaking on camera now. <laughs> you know, it might have been around for a minute. I haven't looked up the timeline or anything, but like they they, they were still in the early early stages of it. I want to say that Dracula was one of the very first really big like at least horror, you know, like talkies that oh, came yeah. out and they you know kind of went from there. So um <clears throat> I was surprised that I actually liked this movie as well as I did. I, I, I've heard about it for years. I was like, okay, this is, you know, it's voodoo zombies, whatever. They're not my thing. I'm, I'm Romero zombie, you know, that sort of thing. But watching this, they actually did a pretty good job of, you know, like making it. It's got that Dracula vibe to it that kind of fits, like you said. It, yeah. It's kind of interesting. Uh, anything else you want to say about it before we get into trivia? No, let's go to trivia because I'll save everything for my final thoughts. Okay. Uh, was a personal favorite movie of Bela Lugosi, according wow. to his son, Bela Lugosi Jr. That's uh, wild. You would have thought, because he's known primarily for Dracula. Maybe he was sick about hearing it, though. Maybe people would go up to him and speak to him in his fucking Dracula accent, and it was just, like, disrespectful or just got on his goddamn nerves, you know? It probably was, and, I mean, that was his accent, and, I mean, it's... And it's not even like a true like Romanian accent. It's more like his own personal accent, and but that's what it was accepted as you know Romanian after yeah. that. You know, uh, Doctor Brunner's line: "I'm a preacher. They think I'm a magician." Was missing from the restoration source print and had to be duplicated from an inferior granular copy in which it had never been cut. Um, Bella Lugosi did some of the directing, according to his son. Uh, according to the friends of Bella, the actor always regretted that he had taken the role of Murder Legendre for only $800. That was probably a lot the, back then, though. Uh, Just kidding. It, well, it was, I mean, it would have been like thou, a few thousand, but That's still, true. I mean, uh, <clears throat> speculation on the exact amount the actor was paid generally ranges from four to 900 uh, after Lugosi turned down a percentage of the film in favor of a flat salary. Oh. <sighs> oh yeah. An associate of the actor claimed $5,000 was deposited into his account after the movie made so well, but still Lugosi was bitter about the whole thing and felt underpaid uh, for how much the movie they actually made. In later years, he was uh, when the subject of the unexpected box office surprise was broached, he would scratch his palm and ask where the money was, you know. I'm sorry, Bella. You have to make better choices because it's, there's it's, snakes in Hollywood and they will take advantage of you. This had to be one of those things that happened. And it doesn't sound like he learned a lesson because he was doing movies for such a low price after this. It's like you well, didn't he, advocate for yourself. This is the second time he did it. He did this with Dracula and got fucked over. It's like you would yeah. have thought that he would have learned from the first one, you know. You think, but and so you can't be bitter about it because that's you, homeboy. Get some better representation or fucking advocate for yourself. 
the film was thought lost until its rediscovery in the 1960s. A court battle was fought between the distributor, Frank Storis, and the estate of Stanley Krellberg, the copyright owner of the film. Uh, Storis had wished to produce a restored version, but the estate refused him access to the original footage. Uh, Storis gave up the court battle and did not win his access to the original uh, film footage. Wow. Uh, not once is Bella Lugosi's character named uh, name Murder Legendre actually pronounced by anyone in, uh, at any moment in the film, nor does the character name appear on the screen once in the credits or otherwise. So how do we know so, his name is Murder? Uh, well, they actually, I think they mentioned there's a line that says something like that, that his name means death or something like that. So, but I think they might've took that name from like maybe the script or something. Like, I don't really know where that came from. Uh, shot in 11 days. Wow. <laughs> Uh, completed in March 1932. Uh, this is believed to be to this is believed to be the first film to identify its antagonist as zombie. So it's the very first zombie movie. Period. Wow. Uh, the film did a lot of shooting on rented space at Universal Pictures and sets, props, and furniture from classics such as The Cat and the Canary, Frankenstein, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame can be spotted by astute film fans. So that's why it looks as good as it did because they were just reusing props from big time movies. Okay. That makes sense why, to me, it just looked so familiar. Uh, Bella Lugosi's character name, Legendre, means the son-in-law uh, in French. It, in, it, however, in no way, shape, or form translates to legend in French, contrary to unformed assumptions, simply son-in-law and nothing else. It sounds like it would be legend, though. Yeah. So, I mean... Uh, famous comic book artist Carl Banks was inspired by the scene in which the zombies were working in the mill to create the 1949 classic Disney story, Voodoo Hoodoo. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, Rob Zombie, of course, named his first metal band White Zombie after this movie. Uh, the play Zombie uh, opened up in New York in, not, in February 1932, and the author, Kenneth S. Webb, sued Edward Halperin and Victor Halperin, the film's producers, for the movie rights. The Halperins won the case. Uh, the play's star, Pauline Stark, who was directed by husband George Sherwood, was disappointed at not getting the part in the film, but it's understandable given the uh, litigation that was going on. They didn't want that association between the two of them. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> the Halperins chose uh, another silent film star, Madge Bellamy, obviously, as the lead. Uh, and and they, and that guy didn't have a right to even uh, try to sue on that yeah. because like they were they were pretty different. Like I mean, it was laughable that he even tried to get money for that. Yeah, but that's just how Hollywood is. It is. Uh, two years later, Black Moon, another film with voodoo theme, would feature a voodoo song whose first notes are very reminiscent of the first notes of the intro credits. Uh, voodoo chant, White Zombie. Uh, Clarence Muse starred in both films, so it's kind of like they were stealing from each other at that point, which they do. <laughs> uh, the voodoo chanting that plays over the opening credits is sampled in the song El Imperio del Mal by the Spanish uh, rock band Magala. Or Mihala, however they say that. I don't. You tell me how it's pronounced. I don't uh, know. Mihala. Mi, Mihala. Mm -hmm. uh, sets from the King of Kings uh, at RKO Path Studios were used for the interior of Legendre's castle. Uh, in addition to the black actors, yes, this production used white actors <laughs> with black face. I mean, you could tell because I'm pretty sure the voodoo zombie master that they go visit in the movie is a white dude. He sounds like a white dude and and black makeup. Uh, in some shots, you can see the actor's breath. This is believed to be the result of shooting late at night to keep the production on its tight shooting schedule. Goddamn. And it's really weird because zombies are not supposed to breathe, but hey, there you go. So It was their souls <clears throat> leaving their body. 
Yeah, that's what it was. It was the 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 little angel trying to come back in or something. Yes. All right, final thoughts for this. What do you think? I don't like old movies. <laughs> but I'll give it a but, a big but. Uh, it is 100% a classic. I did not know that a classic zombie movie existed because it's kind of, well, I guess Bella Lugosi is, is, is Dracula and, and Dracula is a staple at Universal, especially in terms of Universal Monsters. It's just kind of upsetting that they didn't include, I guess a little bit upsetting that they didn't include a zombie, but this wasn't our run-of-the-mill zombies that we have nowadays, though. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm torn on the inside on this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, everything looked good. The acting to me wasn't out of the ordinary for a movie this time. I, in fact, I think they did exactly as they were directed to. I just cannot get into old films. It was a snooze fest for me. I, I totally understand. I'm not going to fight you on that except to say that, I mean, I do like a lot of classic movies and this one was actually enjoyable to me because it, it felt like it should have been like a universal movie. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, did. it had that, it, it had that vibe to it. Well, they used a know. lot of universal props though. It sounds like, I mean, they did and you know, they used a universal actor and you know, Bella. So, I mean, it was, it, it just, it had that vibe and like, I was really <laughs> surprised that like, you know, it, I like that those type of movies because I like, I like the, uh, you know, kind of seeing the start of like movies and how they like, you know, they, they did some of the things back then to get the effects that like now would be like stupid, easy to do. But like, I mean, back then they were like, how do we, how do we get these effects and, you know, these visual effects in the movie? How do we get like the stuff to happen in camera? Like I'm interested in all that stuff. So it, to me, it was, it was interesting, but I was wondering how you would do with it since it's such an old movie. Yeah. It's not my favorite. Um, and I tried to enjoy it, but, and I didn't know this and I don't know that I would have felt differently, but I'm like, why is this guy straight up a Dracula knockoff? And he even sounds like Dracula. I did not know that was his real accent. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of hard for him. I mean, even whenever it kind of died down a little bit later in life, he still had bits of it, you know? Yeah. And like I said, he can't be like held accountable for that. That's just, that's just, that's just his voice. That's just how he talks. But I was like, this is like, I was getting annoyed. I'm like, this is such a fucking Dracula knockoff of sorts. I'm (laughs) like, what is even happening here? I was, I was struggling with this one film. I do like the storyline though. I do like the idea of the voodoo zombie the control, it's not out of what we've heard, at least of what I've heard in terms of actual, you know, cases of this happening. Um, and I don't know. It, the only problem is the tale of two guys fighting. Well, technically three guys fighting over a girl. I One of them doesn't feel like he fought very hard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also to go back to your point, I mean, making the comparisons even more so to Dracula, uh, the uh, preacher, you know, that's that's always looking to, to have a good smoke. He is very clearly a Van Helsing type in this oh, movie, especially at the 100%. end. One hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It was hard to get past that for me. Um, but yeah, the that that's the part that I, I find it interesting that that's that the part that you didn't like because how creepily like the two men in particular wanted to just control this woman didn't. It, like, the funny thing is, is that, I mean, you look at the implications of the movie, 
uh, Beaumont just wanted, uh, you know, uh, Madeline to be his. Yeah. But then whenever he got her, he realized that he was actually in love with her as a person more, or, you know, than just than her just body. Than just her beauty, yeah. Beauty Legendre and just outright said, no, I, I don't care if she doesn't talk. I don't care if she doesn't, like, you know, say anything to me. I'm going to get what I want out of that. In you fact, know? it's so, almost better if she doesn't talk. I don't want to hear her nag. Yeah, he's actually, that's what he goes with it. And there, the implications of that, I mean, he's such a fucking bastard. I mean, it's, um, I think that's so interesting, though, for a movie that old, because, I mean, there's a lot of implications. And yeah. the movie audience was not above knowing those implications oh, either. No. It's not, I mean, we, we like to make it out. It's like, oh, they were so chased back in those. No, they were doing shit that, you know, uh, actually Gen Z is way more chased than, that generation was so yeah and not only that like back then we actually had to use our imaginations a lot more than we do nowadays so you can imagine the shit people created in their heads yeah so i mean them watching that they were like i mean i'm sure there's people in the audience like oh my god this woman's getting you know reamed out every night by these guys probably you know i mean after to be honest the way the movie set up if Beaumont had his opportunity to do anything with her, then I'm sure that Legendre, right after they got through doing the deed, had her come to his room and he he took his piece too. He's Ugh. just that kind of guy. She was just a I fucking mean, one big cum dumpster. Yeah, I mean it's, I, I it's just that whole thing about it and the and the 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 way they portrayed the zombies as actually being dead when the one getting shot at the end of it. I just find it an interesting like step into the process of getting into the zombies that we we know today so yeah for me i would say it's a three and a half out of five because i like this sort of movie and i think this is a really good version of those type movies uh i don't i mean what would you be your ranking i would give it two and a half out of five rotting corpses i want it i want to give it more for its originality it just this movie did not feel original to me it is, but it just isn't. It's like we're gonna do this, but instead of this, we're instead of having vampires, it's gonna be zombies, which is damn near the same thing. One of them eats brains, and one of them drinks blood. Well, I guess this wasn't. It's she's funny not eating brains. But. That. It's funny you say that because when we get to the next step in the zombie evolution, uh, Romero's zombies are very clearly based upon vampires, and we'll get to that whole story when it when it comes about. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't want to give it a bad score because I don't think it deserves a bad score. I didn't hate this film. It's just it's just not my thing. So it's my personal rating based on how I enjoyed it. And it's not something I would watch again. I I would definitely see myself watching. This oh, again, yeah, Noah. I could see you doing doing that. I think um, Noah likes this film a lot, too. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting like I said, I you, I, you don't expect movies this old, I mean, you know, to have this kind of uh, uh, even professionalism about them, really. I mean, that's weird to say because, I mean, Hollywood had to have started out with, a, you know, with some pretty good stuff or it wouldn't have lasted. But it's just like when you go back that far, you're like, okay, some of this stuff has to be really shitty. And, like, you get these little gems here and there. It's like, okay, that's pretty good, you know. Yeah. All right, on that's all for this episode. We'll pick it up again with the uh, new version of the Voodoo Zombie that came out in the 90s because there was a weird resurgence, and we'll get into that whole history on the next episode. So with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit.